it's Mother's Day, a time to celebrate all the wonderful mothers out there, not just for being shining examples of how great a mom can be, but also for being beautiful reflections of who God is. Like God, you've provided for us. You've shown us how much you care from the very beginning. With God, you've guided us, helping us navigate through every decision, big or small. You've been patient with us, helping us grow and learn from the mistakes we make. And like God, you forgive us, offering us grace so those mistakes can never define us. You've been present. It sounds so simple, but it's so important just knowing you're there when we need you. And most of all, you've loved us unconditionally as only someone filled with God's love could. So today we thank you, all of this and so much more. Happy Mother's Day. Amen. Again, happy Mother's Day. I hope that you're being taken care of. You know, it's a it's one of those days that we see we talk about once a year, but moms, you have more than a once a year impact. And I want you to know that this morning. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter one. This morning, while you're turning there, just a couple things to reiterate. Number one, don't forget that Thursday is our uh, our food distribution day. Uh, we're going to be meeting out at the Yellow Jackets Stadium once again to distribute food. We have we have food for 200 families, and if you'd like to volunteer, please be out there uh, at uh, 9:30 on Thursday, and we'll distribute the food and bless our community. Again, thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, because of you do what you do, we're able to do what we do. We have given probably close to 70,000 boxes of food, approaching 3 million pounds of food in the last two years. And we could not do that without all the help that we have. Uh, so thank you for that. Ladies, don't forget this coming Friday and Saturday is the Women's Conference. Uh, and I want to say especially to some of our new ladies that are here, uh, get involved. If, you, if at all possible, uh, come to the ladies' event. You, you don't need to do life by yourself. You, don't need, to, you need the support. Uh, I think their little motto is better together. How many know that's true? Better together. So uh, if uh, ladies come on out and be a part of that on Friday and Saturday. And I do want to say, you know, we had a great fishing trip, our men's ministry. We had some, we had 10 of us went fishing on, on Friday. And I think we ended up catching about 160 some odd fish. Uh, amen. It was good. I caught about 149 of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you laugh because you understand, right? Uh, but it was a good time. We Listen, I enjoy doing life together, right? You know, whether it's be So so one of the things we hadn't talked about, and I, I, I won't, I'll just say this, um, because COVID, you know, we've not been doing the Sunday nights. We have our senior saints, and then we have the connection groups. But on this month, we actually are going to do our fifth Sunday fellowship out in the Family Life Center. That For those that have never heard of that, we, we on the months that have five Sundays, we generally... We'll meet in the Family Life Center. We bring board games, things like that. Uh, if somebody's playing chicken foot, typically don't go over there because they cheat. <laughs> but uh, anyway, they bring snacks, and we fellowship together and, and play, and, and it's, we just do life. And, 
And that's so important. Sometimes Sundays are very difficult to build relationships. And, and if you're really going to establish a relationship, it has to be outside of this. Now, we try to do many, many things. Uh, we have classes, you know, Sunday school. We have women's Bible studies, men's Bible studies. We have my class on Wednesday night, youth and children. We have all these things going on. But to really do life together, we need each other more. And so, anyway, uh, let's get right into our word this morning. As you can see, uh, we're in our series on family matters. And, and the reason I'm doing this series is because family matters, right? Uh, and today, it just so happens that is Mother's Day. So we're going to be talking about what a mom, what a mom. And I know the reference is uh, verses 26 through 28. I'm just going to read verse, uh, verse 38, just one verse of Scripture this morning. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let me read that again. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now this morning, we continue on with our series of family matters. And we'll be doing this series for the next few weeks simply because there's so many nuances about the family that are so important. One of the reasons that I started this series is because I'm very concerned about the family. Uh, everywhere you turn today, we see society trying to redefine what the family is all about. And what's happening is we're seeing the chaos uh, lived out in the, in the nightly news. Uh, again, sometimes we turn on the television and we watch the news and we see the, the violence and we see the acting out and we see all of these things and, and, and we try to figure out why. And I will tell you that there is a direct correlation between the breakdown of the family and the violence that you see on television. Society is trying to redefine what the family unit is all about, trying to reassign roles into the family. Uh, there, there are just a lot of, how many have noticed there's just a lot of wacky stuff going on in our world right now? And particularly when it comes to the family. And listen, if we are silent, who's going to speak to it? If the church doesn't raise its voice regarding the family, remember the family is not an initiative of man, it is the initiative of God. It was God's idea from the very beginning. The leave and cleave model that we talked about last week is designed by God. And remember the purpose, the divine purpose of the family is found in Malachi chapter 2 verse 15 that God was wanting to produce godly offspring. In other words, God wanted to fill the earth with godly offspring. And it is our responsibility as families to pass on a faith from one generation to the next to the next. That's why in Moses' writing in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he said, look, it needs, you need to talk about this stuff when you're at the dinner table. You need to talk about it when you're lounging in your home. You need to talk about it when you're walking along the way. You need to put these things on the doorpost of your home. Why? Because we need the next generation to know that God is. You have an assignment to raise children to serve the Lord. That is the number one priority. I quoted Dr. James Dobson last week. He said it is incumbent upon every family to recognize that their number one responsibility, it's not getting your kid in the NBA, the uh, NFL, uh, in whatever the other letters and alphabets are out there. It's not, that's not your priority. It's not this college or that college. Your priority is the salvation of their soul. Everything beyond that is, is superficial and really, in the bottom line, uh, at the bottom, the bottom line is it's inconsequential. Salvation of your soul is the number one priority. So this morning we're talking about uh, again. I talked about I mentioned that strong families are essential for building strong societies. You go back in history, and from the very beginning of humanity, strong families have been the bedrock of a civilized society. 
It is that which we have built on to make a civilized, functioning society. Building a strong family hinges upon a strong marriage, right? And, and it also hinges on a strong parent-child relationship. Moms have an incredible influence in this area. You know, I, I, I mentioned this in early service, how that, uh, mom, your influence is, is really sometimes incomprehensible because you just don't know. Sometimes you wonder, are they, any, any mom like this, you think, man, do they get it? <laughs> you, you wonder, are, do they get it? I, I love watching professional sports, and you can have a 350-pound linebacker or, 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 or tackle, and, and, and if he's sitting on the bench and they pan that with the camera, you know, and, and here's this big guy that beats up people for a living, and he sits there, and when the camera gets in front of his face, what's he doing? Hi, Mom. Moms, you have incredible influence. I don't care what the world tries to say. I don't care how they try to, to redefine the roles of the household. God has given us a blueprint for building strong families. You know, it's interesting, and I think it would be hard-pressed to try to adequately convey just how much moms do. One of the things I've always enjoyed doing is the, you know, moms are interesting, right? I mean, moms are very interesting. Not only do they appear superhuman, but they also speak the same language. Listen, it don't matter what part of the world. They all speak the same language. Uh, it's not written down. There's no book. But most moms know these momisms, and they share these momisms. Uh, uh, <coughs> for instance, have you ever heard this one? Don't be smart with me. I always like that one. What, you want me to be dumb with you? <laughs> but don't say that. I promise you, don't do that. Or how about this one? Just wait till your dad gets home. I like this one. If you break your leg, don't come running to me. How's that work? <laughs> you are going to have fun. Right? You are going to have fun. Where's my change? <laughs> Where's my change? That's the last time I'm going to tell you. <laughs> These momisms, they all know them. They use them. One day, four preachers were standing around having a conversation, and like so often happens, it kind of got around to the, fam uh, to the church. And so one of the pastors said, Well, I prefer the King James Version of the Bible I like its eloquent use of the English language. Second pastor said, well, you know, I, I don't think there's really any other Bible that can compare to the American Standard Version because it is faithful to the original Greek and the Hebrew. The third pastor says, well, you know, I kind of prefer the NIV because I like its contemporary language and its easy readability. I prefer that. After a period of silence, the fourth pastor finally spoke up and he says, you know, I like my mother's translation best. The other guys were a little bit surprised, and they said, well, we didn't know your mother had translated the Bible. He said, oh, yes, she did. He said she translated it every day into her daily life, and it was through her translation that I came to faith. Moms, you have a great influence. You have a great impact. Sometimes I know you scratch your head and you wonder if what you're doing is, it counts and does it matter. Listen to me. It does matter. It absolutely matters. Motherhood is not easy, nor is it for the faint of heart. It's one of the most difficult jobs in the universe. Moms often don't get the credit for the incredible job they do to influence uh, their families and to guide their families, but it's beyond question. Again, I mentioned that Jesus was born in the context of family. 
Think about that. God thought about enough about the family. Remember, God instituted the concept of leave and cleave in the Garden of Eden when man sinned and God kicked them out of the garden. The only thing that he allowed them to take out of paradise was that covenant relationship between the two of them. That tells us that God intends that marriage and family be a little bit of heaven on earth. And furthermore, Jesus, the Son of God, was born in the context of the family. So Mary... In, in, in our, in our uh, message this morning, she played a key role in preparing Jesus for his ministry. Mary exemplifies an incredible power of motherhood. Let's look at some of those things. First of all, she was a mother of devotion. Mary was a mother of devotion. Now think about this. Even though Mary was a teenager, she had an unwavering devotion to God. Now, don't you think about this. She, when the angel told her what was going to happen, and that is that the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, you will conceive a child. Now, she understood biology. I know today there's a lot of confusion about it, but she understood that. She understood, and she also said, how is this possible seeing I have not been with a, a man? That's a pronoun, man. She said, how is it possible? And then the angel begins to tell her what's going to transpire and what's going to happen. And, and here's the thing about Mary. Again, she's a teenager, all of a sudden, she's getting this news, and, and I'm sure it's troubling to her spirit. And yet, the Bible says when, when the angel told her what was going to take place, she didn't bat an eye, she didn't balk at it, she didn't shirk from that huge responsibility that God was placing upon her. Why? Because she was devoted. She was first and for, foremost devoted this way. Remember, the very first message I started this series, I said, if you want to build a solid biblical family, it begins with every individual's relationship with God. A husband's relationship, first and foremost, to God. A wife's relationship to God. Those children, to God. If you have this right, this is going to be right. If this is not right, this is not going to be right. I don't care how many counseling sessions you go to. I don't care how much you try. If this is not right, this is not going to be right. Because it's God's idea. It's God's blueprint for the family. You know, when, when, God, when the angel spoke to her and shared what was going on, because she didn't uh, shirk her responsibilities, here's what she said. She said, I am the Lord's servant. Be it done to me as you say. In other words, Isaiah 6, here am I, Lord. Send me. Here am I. She was devoted. She was devoted to God. She, and, and again, when you think about it, you read this story, just kind of a cursory view of it. Maybe she didn't really, maybe she answered pretty quick. I mean, it seems like she didn't spend a lot of time sitting there contemplating what the ramifications of that were going to be. But yet she responded, be it unto me as though you say. Maybe she answered quickly because she didn't really understand. You ever thought about that? I mean, maybe she didn't realize the whispers and the stares that would follow her for the next 30 years of her life. You've got to understand, in that, con in that culture right there, being, being pregnant out of wedlock was, brought great shame to you and to your family. And so she would have to walk down the streets with everybody knowing, and listen, human nature is the same. How many ever been talked about by somebody? Yeah, I know, we laugh about that, but that's the reality. So I want you to imagine this young teenage woman that was picked by God because she was devoted, walking down the street of her community, and people standing there whispering about her, pointing fingers, trying to hide their, their, their verbiage by, there she goes. There, do, you, do you believe what she did? How dare her bring disrespect? But she said, here am I. 
here am I, be it unto me as what you say. Maybe she accepted the challenge so readily because she didn't really understand the gravity of her assignment. Or then again, maybe she did understand. I've never seen a mom that has shirked her responsibilities. When moms, there's something innate about a mother that when they accept the challenge of motherhood, they commit to it. They commit to it. So, so maybe, the, maybe she did understand. Maybe she, maybe she did have some idea of the cost that was involved. Again, Jesus said, which of you sitting down intending to build first doesn't sit down and calculate the cost? Maybe when the angel started giving her the, the information of what was going to take place, maybe in her spirit she starting to thinking, th- starts thinking how much it's going to cost her, but she said, be it unto me as you say. Why? Because she was devoted. Maybe she never wavered. She didn't waver from her commitment to the Lord, her devotion to the Lord, and maybe that's why God chose her. You ever thought about that? Maybe because God looked at her and saw her heart and knew she was completely devoted to him and all the whispers of the crowd and the, and, and, and the making fun of and the mocking and the ridicule, he knew that it wouldn't get to her because Mary was devoted. Moms, listen, maybe you're here this morning, maybe you accepted the challenge of motherhood and, and maybe you didn't understand what you were getting yourselves into. Maybe you didn't have an idea. I used to tell my children when they were born, listen, you didn't come born with an instruction manual. You didn't have an owner's manual strapped to your heel when you came out. Maybe you didn't understand. Maybe you felt like you dove off into motherhood without any knowledge of how deep the water was until you got out there and found out it was sink or swim. But Mary was devoted. Nobody can compare you, uh, excuse me, prepare you for the constant attention that your family's going to re- require. How many of you can remember when your children were small growing up? And they may still do it right now, but they always had a question. They always call, they called your name, mama, 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 daddy, daddy, daddy. It's constant. Just, I, I, I used to tell them, I'm going to change my name. <laughs> you know, it just... And again, motherhood is challenging. It's a challenging responsibility. If a mom really knew what she was getting into, uh, like Wanda was picking at us about, don't do it. And, and of course, obviously, she was joking. But if, if a mom knew what she was going to get into, do you really think she would, would do it? I'd say yes, absolutely. Because moms have a devotion that's unmatched. See, Mary was a devoted mother. The second thing about Mary that sticks out is that she was also a mother of strength. A mother of strength. There's a story in Matthew chapter 2. You remember when the Magi came to visit the baby Jesus and, and, and Herod told them, hey, come back and tell me where he is because I want to go and worship him. And, and here's what the Bible says. It says, now when the Magi had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So I want you to picture this. In the middle of the night, okay, I would imagine they're asleep, okay? That's what you typically do at night. So I would imagine, and think about this, if this is your, your situation. In the middle of the night, Joseph comes to his wife and says, Mary, 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 wake up, wake up, okay? You picturing that? How many would get irritated? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I used to tell them, don't wake me up unless you're dying. Mary, 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 we got to, come on, come on, we got to go, we got to go. We got to pack up, we need to leave, Mary. And so Mary gets up in the middle of the night and takes this baby Jesus who is around two years old, packs up this young family and begins this long trip to Egypt 
in the middle of the night. Now, I think we fail to grasp the significance of how incredible that would have been. Let me, let me put it to you this way. How many of you have ever been traumatized by traveling with a two-year-old? <laughs> then, then you might get some understanding, right? If you've ever tried to travel with small children, then, listen, don't read into Scripture and think just because Jesus was the Son of God that he, wasn't a, he was fully God and he was fully man. Right? So I imagine that he had, are we there yet? Well, maybe at two, maybe not. But, but, but can you imagine? I mean, today we have all the advantages. I mean, think about what we have. We have box juice. Right? We have individual packets of cookies and crackers and, and frozen playing on the entertainment system. And even with all of that, it's still challenging, right? I mean, you can't even get out of the driveway. Are we there yet? Get around the corner. Have we made it yet? How much longer? How much further? You know? But think about it. Consider trying to move a two-year-old and your family, the, you know, packing up in the middle of the night, over 264 miles from Bethlehem to Egypt, possibly by foot, through the desert. You start in the middle of the night to make your journey. And I tell you what, that puts a whole different perspective on Mary. Mary was... She was, a, she was an incredible mother of strength. I mean, it takes a lot of physical strength for a woman to make a trip like that. I mean, forget the fact that she's going to a country that she's never been before. She's going to a homeland that she has no relatives there to support her and to help her. She's going there. So you can imagine it took a lot of strength for her to do that. Listen, if, you've been a, if you're a mom, there have been times when, and, and, and most moms would testify to this, there have been times when you've had strength you didn't know where it came from. There have been times that you were in the middle of a situation and it was draining to you, but yet something inside of you swelled up. You were able to do, you had the energy, you had the strength to do what you didn't think you could do. There's something about a mom. I mean, you think about it. It takes a lot of strength to carry a car seat these days. I mean, think about it. I mean, they look like... So, so when I was a kid, it was a metal contraption that you sat down in, that sat on the, on the seat, had a metal thing that flipped over you, and that was it. That was our car seat. Today, they look like lazy boys. <laughs> and, and so, can you imagine the strength required to carry a car seat in one hand and a two-year-old in the other hand with all the other paraphernalia? And the guy walking behind you say, can I help you? <laughs> Are you doing okay, honey? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You've been there. Listen, there's a strength. There's a strength, there's a physical strength. Mary was a strong woman to be able to do and endure what she did. I mean, but also there's another, there's an emotional strength. Think about, think about what it takes, the strength to get up three nights in a row changing the sheets or cleaning uh, up after a, a sick kid with a stomach bug. It requires a lot of emotional strength involved. Uh, and, 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 and if that child makes a mistake, it, it, it requires a lot of strength for that mom to help them learn through the process of the mistake that they made. Just like the mothers that are here today, Mary was a mother of great physical and emotional strength. She was a, mo a mother that was fully devoted to God and to her family and to her son. I met a couple, some of you might remember the McNeils that were here just a few months, a couple months ago. They sang for us. There was a whole family of about, I don't know, about 13 or 14 of them. All one family. They were fantastic. I met a pastor one time from Ohio that had 14 kids from his wife, one. And the thing that really intrigued me about this family 
they were all homeschooled, and every one of them were in the top percentage academically of the state. He had a daughter at that time that was 19 years of age. She, she was an incredibly beautiful young lady, sweet disposition, just a beautiful lady, had a great testimony. Um, she, uh, she had never been on a date. She had never been kissed by a boy. And she said, I will not be kissed until on my wedding night when the preacher says, you may now kiss your bride. I looked at him and I said, dude, I got some people I need you to call. <laughs> but I mean, think about the strength to teach values to those children. She was a strong lady. Another thing about her was she was a mother of guidance. Listen, of all the things that you get to do, mom, guiding your children is one of the most significant. I've always said, and again, quoting Dr. James Dobson from last week, you have the responsibility above everything else that you do the number one responsibility of your life is to see to, to, see to it the that your children have an opportunity to experience salvation. That's it. It's not what college they get into. It's really not the, uh, again, these play, things that we want to influence, obviously, but it's not that. That's not the important thing. The important thing is, are they Christ followers? Are they a disciple of Jesus? There's a story. How many of you remember the, the wedding at Cana? So years, years, years go by and Jesus grows and mom's doing her thing. And one of the things that always intrigued me is, again, we read the scriptures and sometimes we think we miss the, the point of Jesus' humanity. You know, we think he's the son of God and somehow he floats through walls and he does things like that. And that's the way we think. But Jesus was fully God and fully man. And, and one of the great things that has uh, helped me with that is the movie, The Passion of the Christ. I, was, I remember one scene in particular that's always stuck with me because, again, we sometimes read through Scripture and we think somehow Jesus was superhuman and there was no, and, and so he did things that we could never do. And in that movie, I remember one scene in particular. Jesus is probably a pre-adolescent uh, pre boy and he's playing with the neighborhood kids. Again, you don't think much about that. You don't think that, I mean, Jesus played with the neighborhood kids. And so Jesus is playing with these neighborhood kids, and I remember the scene like I, like I just watched it yesterday. He's out there playing, and Mary, again, because Mary was a devoted mother and a mother of strength, she knew because the angel told her what was going to happen. You shall call him Jesus. He will save his people from their sin. She knew that he had an ultimate call on his life. So she was always kind of a glance away. And I remember Jesus playing in, the, in that rocky road out there, and he fell, and he scraped his knee. And he let out that whimper that only a mom. How many moms can distinguish the cry of your child? He lets out that whimper and mom perks up her ears, tune in to her son who's been injured and she runs to him. And you see her in that movie, Scoop reaching down and cuddling him in her arms. The son of God, she takes in his arms and wipes away the tears and his skint knee she tenderly takes care of. Jesus is growing under that type of influence. He gets to that age. He's at a wedding with his mother in Cana. And, in Cana, and remember the story, they ran out of wine. So what does is, what is Mary tell them to do? She says, hey, whatever he says. And, and remember how Jesus responded? He said, he said Mom, this, this is my paraphrase since it's Mother's Day. He said, Mom, my time hasn't come yet. So again, Jesus is already showing some in, uh, indications that he's starting to grasp what he was here for. 
Again, he didn't come with that download or preloaded. Mom had to help guide him along the way because she was a mom of guidance. And so now he's at this age, and she says, hey, Jesus, they're out of wine. And he said, Mama, it's not my time yet. It's not my time yet. And I, I, I like that because, uh, again, it would have been interesting to see how that dialogue had happened. But I think Mary was, you know, Mom, it's not my time yet. And I think Mary says, but son, you have to start somewhere. Son, you, you do have to start somewhere. I understand, you understand you have to start somewhere. And I think Mary might have said, you know what? It's not your time to die, but it is time for you to begin to let people know who you are. Whatever he says, do it. You see how mom's guiding him? Maybe Jesus was a little reluctant. I don't know what he was waiting on. A little bit reluctant, but the mom's saying, son, come on. It's time. It's time. I, I, it's not time for you to die. I understand that. But it is time to start doing something. You need to start letting people know. See, many of the mothers here today find yourself in the same position. I mean, think about it. You have a son that wants to be a professional ball player, or you have a daughter that wants to be a professional ball player, and, 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 and yet they get bad because they don't get enough playing time, and they're going to quit. What do you do? You sit down and you talk to them. You have a young lady that doesn't, can't figure out what she wants to do in life, and she's, she bounces from this idea to this idea to this idea all over the place. What does a mom do? A mom sits down and says, hey, sweetheart, come here, let's talk about this. What are you doing? You're coaching and you're teaching and you're guiding them to be able to find the purpose for which God created them. Listen, mothers, that's an important role. Like Mary, Mary was a mother of guidance and she guided her son to fulfill the calling upon his life. I am where I am today because I have parents and I didn't always have the greatest relationship with my parents or my mom in particular, but I'm here today because my mom and my dad, they prayed for me. I was called to preach when I was a young boy, about seven years of age. I knew it as a distinctive uh, call in my life. I knew it then. I, uh, I'm not going to get into the whole story, but you know, after years of rebellion, rebelling against it, 17 years of age, junior in high school, I ran away from home. Here's the thing that happened with my, with, with my parents, because this is kind of the fourth item. Mary became a mother of patience. Patience. See, moms, I guess of all the things, this is one that you need most. Patience. See, as a young boy called to preach, Growing up with that, I started 13 doing some ministry. Then I totally rebelled against it, ran away from home. And the thing I, I look back on it now, and I think the thing that really helped me the most is my parents were patient with me. You know, it would have been an easy, you know, my dad, after, after all that time, he never once, and I've shared this with you before, my dad, my dad never came to me and said, son, you need to come home. He didn't do that. But I know what they did do. They kept praying for me. They kept praying for me. And, and I think that's where we are today in our world. Mary was a woman of great patience. She had to be, because I want you to think about this as I kind of bring this in for a moment. Again, going back to the movie, The Passion of the Christ, one of the things that happened during the Passover week, obviously he's betrayed, he's arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's taken to this kangaroo court where he's put on trial. Mary would have been in Jerusalem as the custom. Mary would have been there. Mary would have seen what was going on with her boy. No doubt Mary would have been there in that triumphant procession as Jesus came in. And they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, they, and, and, and she probably would have seen them with the palm branches laying down before the donkey as Jesus came through town with his disciples. Mary probably also would have been there when he was betrayed by one of his own with a kiss, arrested, taken before Pilate, given the choice of Barabbas or Jesus, 
She was probably in that crowd watching the crowd who had cheered him on Monday now saying, give us Barabbas. She was probably there. You see the scene in that movie as Jesus is moving in the night. They're taking him from the whipping post to Herod to Pilate and back and forth. And you see all that going. And where's, my, where's Mary? I think Mel Gibson picked it up. She's in the, she's in the, she's off scene, if you will, if I can say it that way, with her eyes gazing. She's watching what's going on with her son. The thing that impresses me about this mother of patience is that she doesn't burst into the trial when Jesus is being accused. She doesn't burst in there and say, hey, he's the son of God. She doesn't do that. She doesn't go to Pilate as he's being uh, questioned by Pilate. She doesn't throw herself at his feet begging for mercy for Jesus to be released. She doesn't do that, but she's off to the side. She's watching. She's weeping. She's grieving for her son. See, Jesus understood the purpose, and Mary understood the purpose. You see, Mary's devotion, her strength, and her guidance led them to this moment, the destiny of which he was born. She was now going to see the work of Christ, her son, finished on Calvary. And I said all of that to say this, moms, maybe, you're, maybe you sit here today, and maybe you're watching online, and you feel like a failure. See, I know there are a lot of parents today that struggle with this aspect because our children sometimes choose, choose path, a pathway that's different than what we would have chosen for them. And sometimes we as parents, we take ownership of that. I mean, who, we would, who, would, who wouldn't do that? We as a parent, we want the best for our children. We want to choose for our children. We want them to walk that pathway that has less harm and that has success for them and, and that will live out their destiny. Because you know what? When they were born, you dedicated them to the Lord. And you said, Lord, whatever you have for them, we, want, we give them to you to use. And yet today you sit here and they are so far from the will of God that it's not even funny. And you take that personal and you say, you know what? I was a failure. You say, Pastor, I don't understand. I live my life devoted to the Lord. I've served my children with my strength and my dignity. I've given the, guide, the best guidance I could, but my children just have not turned out the way I thought. They walked away from their faith, or maybe, maybe they have made mistakes that have grieved you deeply. Well, here's what I want to tell you this morning. Now, maybe, now's the time, not maybe, now's the time to do like Mary did and step back. You see, this mom is watching from the outskirts, what's happening to her boy. And I promise you that mother's intuition, everything in her wanted to run in there and grab her son just like she did when he skinned his knee when he fell down. Everything in her probably wanted to run to Pilate and say, no, take me, not him. Don't hurt my boy. When they strapped him to that whipping post, and they begin to lash at him. I promise you that mom wanted to run in there and say, don't beat my son. Take it out on me. Take it out on me. She had to fight through that because she was a patient mom. And she knew that God had a plan. And her son was part of that plan. So that mom stepped back and she watched God's plan unfold. And what I'm saying, if you're a mom here today and your children have gone a pathway that you never would have chosen, 
Maybe they rebelled against everything that you taught. See, I am where I am today because I did rebel against everything I was taught. I left my home. I left my faith. I left everything that I was taught to believe. But my parents kept praying for me. My dad never pressured me. My dad never said, boy. The only thing my dad used to say to me was, he said, boy, I didn't raise you to be like this. But they stepped back. And they let me live out. And their wisdom the choices I was making. I'd, I'd reach 17. I knew everything. And my dad said, you know what? I didn't raise you to be like this. Son, I'm praying for you. And here I am. Because rather than running, trying to rescue me from bad choices and bad decisions, my dad says, you know what? My parents said, you know what, God? I'm going to step back and let you do your work. See, that's what Mary did. Mary was a woman of great patience because she watches her son with the weight of the world laid upon him. And rather than trying to intervene and take away the pain and the discomfort that he was going through and the suffering, she steps back and says, you know what, God, I'm going to let your will be done. Work it out. And you see, maybe that's where you are today. Maybe, maybe you need to understand that God can work through their sufferings and their mistakes. God can work through that. I know sometimes as parents, we want to rescue our children from, ha from bad, difficult things. And that's noble and that's honorable as a parent. But sometimes the best thing you could do is just step back and say, God, I've done everything I can. I tell parents this all the time. Listen, when your kids get up to be about 18, 18 19 years of age, when, you get, when they get there, they are no longer a reflection of you. They're now free to do on their own. And you can't, you can't own that. As hard as that is to hear, you can't own that. Mary just stepped back and said, Lord, just like she did early on, she said, may it be unto me as you have said. Now she steps back and says, Lord, your will be done. That's where we are. One of the great examples as I close this morning, guys, come on back, is St. Patrick. Have you ever heard his story? St. Patrick uh, is, a, is a powerful example. As a young boy, his family was very religious, but he wasn't. In fact, if you read his story, he had uh, basically denounced his faith he denounced the faith of his family and as a young teenager he was captured and sold as a slave on the island of Ireland and he worked as a shepherd on the hillside now I would imagine that being a believer his mom was in constant agony wondering what happened to her son where he was what was going on but she prayed for him but here's the thing even though she wasn't exactly where he was and didn't know what was going on, God was working. Can I tell you, Isaiah, 40, uh, Isaiah 59 says, The arm of the Lord is not short that he cannot reach. His ear's not deaf. Listen, that child can't go too far that God can't reach them. Even in the faraway place, in a, in, a, in, in a sloppy, muddy pigsty, God can still reach that prodigal. So, it said, so God begins to work. Patrick says that as he was out in that lonely countryside working, watching these flocks on the hillside, he couldn't help but, but sense the presence of God in that place as he was hungry and scared oftentimes. Several years later, he was able to escape. And when he went home, he didn't go home the same man that left home. He went home the man that his mom had been praying for. He became a priest and he returned to the island of Ireland, and before his death, he had converted the entire island to Christianity. Moms, don't ever underestimate your influence. 
And don't ever underestimate the ability to step back and say, God, I don't understand what's going on. My children are choosing a pathway I never would. But you know what? Your will be done. And you let it happen. That's a, that's a patience. And it's very difficult. Today we have helicopter parents, lawnmower parents. We have bulldozer parents, probably. I don't know what that is, but I make it up. We have Pinocchio parents. You know what happens when your nose gets really long? It gets in other people's business. Moms, listen, as I close this morning, only in eternity will you ever see that, will you really understand your devotion, what your devotion, your strength, and your guidance has produced. You may not see the fruit of your labors right now, but I promise you in eternity, you will see the result of your faithfulness and your dedication. Stay the course. Sometimes that path is treacherous, sometimes it's very lonely, but stay the course. My military term would be steady on. Steady on. Your family needs your influence. I like what Paul said, and I'm going to read it out of the message paraphrase because I think it's great. Galatians chapter 2, 6, where he says, be not weary in well-doing. I love this rendering. It says, so let us not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. Moms, don't allow yourself to get wore out doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. That's a promise from God that if you will stay the course, be a mother of devotion, a mother of strength, be that mother of patience. Be, again, if you will do those things that you've done so well and you wonder sometimes, does it really make a difference? I'm, number one, I'm, I'm a living example of what it does when, I, when your child chooses a boneheaded path a faithful mom and a faithful dad will, will do some incredible things. Stay the course. Listen, moms, as I close, you may not, we may not always say it, show it, but I want you to know we love you and we thank God for you. We thank God for your influence. Keep up the good work. If you're struggling today, I want to challenge you to cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. Listen, family matters and your family matters. Your family matters, and I don't want you to ever feel like you have to journey this journey by yourself. Around you are people that have walked the path. We've got people that have raised children and raised grandchildren, and we're here to help you. You don't have to do this by yourself. If you're a single mom, a single dad, a blended family, whatever, you don't have to struggle through the challenges by yourself. God has left the body here to come in and shore up the family. I believe in the family, and I believe in you. Won't you stand with me this morning? You know, as I was preaching just a moment ago, I, I felt the Lord kind of nudge me on this one. I want to pray for the mom this morning specifically that is watching your children take a path that you don't want them to take. Like I said, Mary had to see this unfolding before her eyes. And her natural instinct as a mom would have been to rush in there and make it better. Take away the hurt. Those bad men that were talking about her son, those bad men that were abusing her son, everything inside of her wanted to go in there and just probably throw down with them. <laughs> I promise you. But because Mary was first and foremost devoted to the Lord, he said, she said, be it unto me as you have said. 
she understood there was something much greater going on than just her child. And so through her patience, she was able to step back and say, Lord, I said it back then, be it unto me as you have said. Now I'm saying it again, not my will, but your will be done. Work it out. I'm taking my hands off and I'm watching. Listen, she kept her eyes on him. That's a mom. She's watching. She's, if, if you watch the movie, she's weeping and she's grieving. But she's given God space to do what needed to happen. So I'm talking to the mom right now that you need to give that child space. If they come to you for guidance, guide them like a mom always does. Give them wisdom that you can, godly counsel, but give them space and let God do his thing. It hurts. It's overwhelming. I often thought about, and we're going to pray. I often thought about what I did to my parents when I left. Often thought about, I wonder how many tears my mom shed because I walked out of the house as an angry teenage boy. I wonder what that must have done to her. She died at 52 years of age in 1995 and I didn't really have the chance to to just kind of make it right she had a great encounter with the Lord and we had a good relationship before she passed but I just never really been able to bring that healing but my parents gave me space and because they gave me space if the Lord tarries another year I will celebrate 30 years as a pastor of this church because in a very dark time of my life my parents against every instinct they had stepped back and said God he's yours so mom I want to challenge you today to temper that natural, instinctive compulsion to jump in to rescue every time something happens be a mom of patience and say God be it your will and as they sing this morning I, I won't particularly moms but if you need prayer this morning please I want you to come but I want to pray for moms today if you're here this morning, maybe that's you that said, you know what, Pastor, I need to, I need to let, I, I need to step back, like you said. I need to let, I need to be married as a mother patient. I need to step back and say, God, do it. God, do it. Maybe you're hurting today. As they sing, would you come? Would you let, I, and as they come, I want some of our elder ladies, elder moms in particular to come and stand with them and pray. Would you do that? So as we sing this morning, if you're here this morning and you need prayer as a mom, and, and listen, don't be embarrassed by it. Listen, we got to get past that. If you're hurting, let somebody share the burden with you. Let somebody walk with you. 
So go ahead and sing. And as they sing, if you need prayer this morning, especially, and I felt burdened about it, so I know there's somebody here that you, you've had, you're, you're seeing your child make decisions that you don't want them to make. It's time to let, step back and let God do his work. And as you come, we're going to pray with you. Go ahead. Oh, I spoke a word. You were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away, oh the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of
would you just slip your hand up right where you are this morning? Just for a moment, would you just love on him? He is our strength. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. And we are loved by him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we're never outside of your reach. Thank you that we're never outside of your concern, your care. Thank you that what concerns us concerns you. Overwhelming love. Thank you that you leave the 99 to go to the one that hurts, the one that's lost, the one that's confused. Thank you. Moms, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Don't let the world, isn't that what Paul said? Don't allow the world to squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the world redefine the family unit. You say, well, Pastor, and I'm closing with this prayer. You say, Pastor, I, I've not, I didn't raise my children in church. I didn't raise them in the Christian home. You know what? Start today modeling what a Christian home is supposed to be. You can't make up for what has happened in the past, but you can start today with a whole brand new future. And God is still able to redeem that now through you as you begin to live out that relationship with the Lord. I love you very much. I pray, moms, that you have a wonderful day today. Guys, take care of you, ladies. Kids, take care of you, your moms. Father, I love you today, and I thank you. I thank you for the influence of a mother. I lift up our mothers that are here watching online and here in, the, in live service. I pray, Father, that you would shower them with many blessings, that you would give them a supernatural strength that they recognize only comes from you father i pray for those that are struggling today i pray for those that mother's day is a very difficult day for many reasons lord i pray that they would understand that lord you created them to be a person of great influence in their family but also in our society at large and i pray a blessing upon moms today i pray that they would again rest in your strength lord when they come to the end of their rope and feel like they can't go in on any longer lord may they rest in you and lord supernaturally give them the strength to keep going lord i pray again a blessing upon them as we leave today i pray god that you would go with us may we have a wonderful day celebrating uh, lord this wonderful lady in our lives lord then should you terry bring us again the next appointed time i love and i, be I bless each one now in the mighty name of jesus and we all said Amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. I love you and God bless you. Mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Snowball you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me.
Good.